I didn't get that. Sorry, Siri. <laughs> she lives. <laughs> I said on Siri. <laughs> Previously on Watch and Talk. I will come to your aid in a way that you would not have expected. The only way to get a toothpaste back in the tube is with another tube. Does he mean molested, like just like t- like touched by an unwelcome person, or does he mean like yeah, molested? You take it from one, take it from the other. Come on, man. You- it's just kind of odd that they, I guess, intended for Josh to be sort of like a sex symbol. Cute banter. Cute, but also seething. Toby's definitely making explodey hands. The fruit of the week is banana. Oh my god. This is a uh, Watch and Talk, uh, season one, episode five. We're talking about. The crackpot and these the wait what's that episode the crackpot and these women the crackpots the crackpots there are more crack than one and pot. these women and are this we... really does seem like they're they just phoned this title in yeah there's like there's yeah. two th- there's a couple things happening and <laughs> yeah, like those, both the of things. them the president and his staff yeah yeah well the but female the women staff. but there, I actually I have some uh, plot points I have some follow up from previous episodes for this week actually oh, oh yeah um. Mandy's weird uh, teeth rubbing thing. Can I rub it against my teeth? Is um, real. The pearls? Yeah, you're, it's a thing. Um, I found a like how to spot a real pearl article. And it says, to find out if a pearl is real, lightly rub it against the front of your tooth. So uh, she's but, not but as what do weird. You, do you know what, what are you looking for when you rub it against your if tooth? the pearl is natural rather than like a lab grown one, it should like, feel gritty against your tooth. If, if it's a real oh. pearl, the owner's gonna be like really upset. But is it proper etiquette? They're gonna, etiquette? Hit, they're gonna they're hit like, you. Get your That's pearl. That's gross. Get my pearl. Yeah. Well, it also says that the front of your tooth can scratch the pearl, like or the edge of it. So if you use the wrong part, you might like damage the expensive pearl anyway. So don't do that. There must be a better way to test a pearl it, than this. Isn't it bad etiquette to rub a gift pearl on your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> to look a gift pearl in the mouth? <laughs> And the other the other piece of follow up I had was I posted the the gif of the guy picking up the phone for Fitz and there was a lengthy Reddit forum about it. And uh some guy uh said that basically it's pretty normal and that there any high up military officer would have what's called a Batman. <laughs> <laughs> like da na 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 Yeah, or an or an aide de camp and it's almost always a guy who would like place his phone calls for him and get it ready. And that this guy wasn't actually a general. He was like a lieutenant because of her colonel. Maybe I forget exactly what they said, but like based on his insignia, he was a lower rank guy. So it's pretty likely that somebody actually would do that. So it's kind of like Charlie's role as body man, but a little bit. Yeah. But um, for a military guy, it would have to be another military guy. It's like his major domo. Yeah. His, his aide de camp. Yeah, I feel like there were a bunch of aide de camps, and then one was just like, you know what? Call me the Batman. <laughs> I am the Batman. The Bat Man. So then to get into this week's episode, uh, the previously on is Sam. And something about the previously ons, at least the way Netflix does it, is they did like an HD upscale of this show after the fact, and the previously ons did not get the high res transfer, which I that's kind of funny because it's like the only place you actually see it in SD anymore. So. I find that a lot of shows that have a previously on when you're streaming them are in stereo and then the actual show is mixed in 5.1 and it always makes it super loud whenever I'm listening to it. I have to like turn it down in anticipation. I think it's because they don't care enough to like remaster the previously on, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay. Then the show starts. Uh, the pre-credits thing is the whole crew playing basketball. And they're weirdly like blocking the entire street out in front of the White House. And there's got to be a basketball court somewhere in the White House, right? Or at least like a 
section of pavement somewhere or I something mean, more now, secluded yeah, right it's is. more protected but it did look like that was actually in front of the white house i think so too yeah right out right out in front um they the president was totally like wiped out because he's he's not the thinnest guy in the world i love him in a sweatshirt though anytime <laughs> jen bartlett puts on a sweatshirt i'm like yeah it's, it's cool. always an like, Notre dame sweatshirt yeah and he just looks so cool i've got a conspiracy theory what maybe he wasn't wiped out he was just waiting for his ringer to arrive so he could cheat i had a oh. yeah so his ringer it turns out is some person named rodney grant i don't know anything Wait, about the president sports. fully explains that this is not a ringer it's a cheat. It's just a guy he knows that he works yeah, in the government. He's... Mr. Rodney Grant. Mr. Grant is associate director of the President's Council on Physical Fitness. He was one of the final four, I think is mentioned. Coincidence. Yeah. In a sh- and Toby accuses him th- uh, of being really bad at cheating, but I think this is an example of being like an epically awesome cheater. Like, way to cheat with style. The actual the guy who played it is uh, an actual NBA player. His name is Jawan Howard. And this is not the president's first time he's done this either because he did it with a tennis match against CJ and Toby. It was Steffi Graf, sir. Well, I will admit that the woman bore a striking resemblance. It was Steffi Graf, you crazy lunatic. Uh, and then Toby tries to like drive in on this guy and gets rejected pretty big. Oh, there's the funny scene too where Toby's calling him out and the president's like hiding behind the guy, like peeking his head around. Yeah, he really is hiding like... That yeah, he's a like giant. Yeah, he's I got mean, like his like head on his shoulder. And then Toby says to Charlie to guard the new guy, and I love how Charlie just like edges up to him and is like, "What?" Yeah, he stares <laughs> him down. He's uh, yeah. A couple other random notes on that scene. Josh is like super cut in a t- tank top. He's the only one like wearing no sleeves, and he's like very very muscular, like way more than he would be for his office job. I did yeah. not notice that. I didn't either. Yeah, he's 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 muscular. Mostly, I just saw like pale. Guys. Yeah, he's very <laughs> at the same time. If you if you listen really closely, it sounds like they have a boombox to the side playing oh, rap yeah, music, which is that's just what you do if you're going to play yeah. basketball on the street. You set it up. And the uh, the kind of setup for the episode in this one is that Toby is at the throat of the president. Let the poets write that he had the tools for greatness. But the voices of his better angels were shouted down by his obsessive need to win. Like going going really, really deep on him for being tired. Yeah, that wasn't just like, like I don't know, like shit talking during a game of basketball. No, not at all. It was like very mean. But yeah. I thought it was sort of like his tone is fun and like Toby-like sort of. Mm-hmm. And the president seems to be taking it in stride. Yeah, he's but, making like literary allusions. Yeah. So I it's think like the president appreciates it on some level. How these guys would like... It's very similar to the thing last week when after the speech, Toby and the president were very combative, but they were also seemingly convivial. This episode is such a like, I guess, uneventful episode compared to prior episodes. Would you say that the Toby, um, the Toby Bartlett conflict is the A plot of this episode? Probably. Which is weird. Yeah. I mean, they don't it's there's what three scenes with it at least and it's kind of the thing they resolve at the end so yeah, yeah the, the I catharsis think so. is there yeah. like well josh heart has it's a the plot josh. really it's the josh big plot. plot in this too I, I thought that was the b plot because it's so it's like and you find something out about his character i think but... it gets as much screen time as toby's thing with the president though hmm. like about the same no but i guess you're right they start with it yeah yeah either way it's kind of funny that just minor character stuff is really the the main source of drama in this episode. Well, they they kind of capped off a multi-episode arc last week 
the crime bill was something that they had been teasing yeah. for a while and they finally resolved it so there was like a little bit of follow-up to that but it was mostly kind of a reset and character moments this time and and this conflict between toby and bartlett i think starts off a theme that kind of runs through the whole first season sort of the the conflict between the presidents as we'll get to later better angels and and demons Mm -hmm. yeah i think that is something that toby consistently brings out in him all the time though and that's why toby is such a great character because he's one of the only people other than i think leo that will really stand up to the president about moral things and ethics um in in like kind of an aggressive way which is nice although he really gets passionate this episode i think about a strain a kind of a weird issue toby oh yeah i'm pretty sure the titles this week are the normal theme song again it changed back it was like that slightly off one yeah no this was like the one i know yeah this is the normal one which is i've never seen a show change the theme song on episode five before (laughs) but i'm almost positive they did it i didn't have time to check but times a charm i mean you know aaron sorkin was on enough coke that he was like you have to bring up the flutes (laughs) Uh, take the sax down i'll play it all (laughs) (laughs) he's like yelling at snuffy walden yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we haven't remarked on the fact that this is maybe the best name for any human being <laughs> that is the composer for this show <laughs> the first scene after the credits is a donna and josh scene donna has some like bowie hair going on in this one donna <laughs> looks like some weird like 17th century vampire with that hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, it's just slicked straight back and like up really tall it's like a pompadour but it's not like yeah. pointing out it's at all it's kind of like how like just so people can imagine like how gwen stefani would wear her hair but like on a white house secretary and it's super slicked back and weird i want to say i did not notice her hair really it's pretty weird the uh donna is upset about somebody didn't call her back and josh has a funny line right can we clear up a few things about my level of interest in the revolving door of local gomers that you see in the free time you create by not working very hard at your job it's an odd way of insulting somebody leo wants him to meet with somebody after the next meeting that they have and then cj wants him to read an article about smallpox. She's like, hey, read this article about smallpox. And he's like, smallpox? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, he's like, okay. No, he's like the disease. And she's like, no, the dessert. Yeah. I love that line. No reason why. She No, she's like, I'm setting up a crucial plot point later. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, they walk into the Roosevelt room and it's Big Wheel of Cheese Day, which is uh, a lot of Yay. people's uh, favorite thing yeah. on this show. <laughs> this is like peak idealism on the West Wing, I think. It is in the spirit of Andrew Jackson that I, from time to time, ask senior staff to have face-to-face meetings with those people representing organizations who have a difficult time getting our attention. Right, and even even then, they don't practice it that often because they say it's they've done it twice and we're now 12 months into the Bartlett presidency. But they, their intent is to do it once a month, which seems kind of excessive. They're, they're very cynical and, and dismissive of it, so... It's not quite as idealistic. It's, well, pra- idea. it's practical idealism. It's pra- practical yeah. idealism, yeah. Ideally, we in, would do this every month. Practically. In practice, once every they're, six they're, they're like, okay, come into my office. You're crazy. Here's a and pen. And this is a bad idea. Now leave. Yeah, it's kind of like a condescending superiority ritual. But I think that Leo is, his character, like, would not usually be able to tolerate this kind of stuff. And it's kind of nice to see him out of character being really passionate about like these special interests that don't get 
a lot of attention. Well, it seems odd that they the ones so they they end up showing the ones later. There's like a UFO guy, and there's like a really like fringe environmental group. There must be like in between things that warrant getting some level of attention that no, don't get to the White House. Like, who's the person like the next on the list that never gets to see the White House? Not the like last person on the list. It, it seems an odd thing, but um, it actually is a real thing. There's a big block of cheese day that happened in 1837. It was not a two-ton block of cheese. It was a 1,400-pound block of cheese. Because that's, that's a lot of cheese. So that's excessive. I had looked this up also on Wikipedia, and it cites it as being a real thing. But there's two citations. One is of a book that seems re- reputable. And then the other one um, describes the Andrew Jackson thing and cites Leo McGarry and Bartlett for America.org. Hmm. So <laughs> I'm like, it's, maybe it's like partially true. I I mean, maybe or someone just got like kind of cheeky with their well, citations. Well, the, the White House, the current White House reinstated it, but they do it as like a social media thing. Well, they did it because of the West Wing. Right. They? So they do, they do reference the West Wing, but they also, that's, that's where I pulled the like quote of, the 14 like the exact date and so i think it must have actually happened for them to put it on official white house letterhead yes maybe uh but uh, leo's really into it so it's 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 nice to see how idealistic he is about it and he's like keeping like an enemies list and sam goes on my list Uh, he's adding people to his enemies list from the previous episode of whoever talks about this disparagingly I think they would probably be more into it if he brought some cheese. I don't understand. Right. I mean, he comes with the cheese intro, and then it's like, okay. If you're going to have a big block of cheese day, there better be some cheese. Hello. Yeah. Any opportunity where there could be cheese and there is not cheese is a missed opportunity. And you're bringing it up. It's like, they're, yeah, we yeah. could have cheese right now. Now we're just thinking and about cheese. no cheese. And Let's, okay, deal with that. It's, it's weird that Mandy does not have a cheese appointment. They specifically address that she doesn't have one. No cheese? She, she's not a White House staffer. Well, Leo says she's too new, <laughs> but it's obvious that she's too unlikable. <laughs> That's why they did not assign her an It's funny you should say that because I think Mandy was actually really likable in this episode. Until yeah. she did the bad thing. She's, yeah, she says something. Which we could get to. We're about to get to it. So, uh, Josh pops over to his other meeting after getting smacked in the head by Leo. First of all, that's for total crackpot day. And he gets a card that tells him where he can go if there's a nuclear attack. It's like the escape route. They didn't show the card too closely, but that must be an insanely detailed card. Or yeah. it could, they could have just told him. It's like, it's you know, it's the third floor of the White House or whatever. <laughs> but I, I guess this card just has like, it maybe turns, it's like a Mission Impossible thing or something. It shows him a real-time map. It activates or something. <laughs> uh, Probably have to swipe it. So to get in, oh maybe. maybe this is another thing that is sort of based in reality. I also read that um, George Stephanopoulos had one of these cards, and he had shown it to Aaron Sorkin, and then the uh, press secretary pulled him aside and was like, "That's not a real thing, like on your show." And then it turns out she just didn't get one. Ooh, yeah, which is the conflict we are going to experience in this episode. So Stephanopoulos broke the rules then. Oh, by showing Aaron. Yeah, Zirk you're not supposed to show of... anybody. Jo- Josh can't even show Donna. There you go. It's weird that Stephanopoulos, who was just a speechwriter for Clinton, got the card 
But Sam didn't get the card. And Sam didn't get the and card. And Toby didn't get the card Stephanopoulos. either. Right. So Josh puts it in his uh, his George Costanza wallet, two inches thick. <laughs> I don't know how he's sitting on this thing. Uh, he's kind of freaked out. He asks about his uh, if he can bring his staff along. He's um, very freaked out. Yeah. Let's be clear. The implication is that like Donna is going to be like wandering a nuclear wasteland looking for Josh. And With he's, no Josh. He's going to be gone. A Joshless future. They go to the press room. They're prepping for another a press conference because they haven't had a press conference in a while. The president says, uh, "It's it's a quick little scene." They just his his answers are all too technical. Mandy tries to get him to loosen up a little. Yeah. So, Mr. President, if you could further see clear to not answer that question like an economics professor with a big old stick up his butt, that would be good. Too. I am an economics professor with a big old stick up my butt, but I'll do my best for you there, Mandy. <laughs> and then Toby and the president fight at each other quite a bit more. How about one or two questions, Mr. President? Is it time for my 10 a.m. scolding? Are we going to have this argument again? Yeah, Toby wants him to admit that there were flaws with the gun bill that they had just passed. Not going to come out and say the bill we just passed is worthless. If we can just admit its weaknesses. The president doesn't want to. And Mandy doesn't want him to either. Toby wants him to criticize that the gun bill didn't go far enough. Mm Mm-hmm. And Mandy says, It'll infuriate the left, it'll energize the right, and everyone in the middle is going to feel like they just got yanked around. How is that? How does that make sense? I get it. It doesn't make any sense at all. Well, yeah, it, if, it, it does, because the rights principle argument against gun, any sort of gun control, gun safety bill, is that it, it, it's not effective. Well, no, no. What you say is, it didn't go far enough. We want to continue to improve it, just in the same way that every political party when they have a, a successful piece of legislation like Obamacare say this is good it's a good start but it's we have to go further or when they do um, uh, Dodd-Frank this you know kind of maybe regulates Wall Street but we have to go further I mean they always do that in order to continue to maintain the momentum they got from their political supporters in getting something passed and continuing to say that actually undermines the efforts of the opposing side to suddenly say, okay, well, now you've finished your efforts. Let's, un- let's start undermining them. But I think the logic here, if you, if you admit that you've, that you've passed a flawed bill or if it could be spun that way, you've just expended all this political capital. It wasn't easy to pass the bill. They had to strong arm these guys, play some political hardball. Now they're coming out and saying, you know, wasn't really a very good bill. Why would you think about the like, think about the left the progressive party why would the progressive party por- portion of the democratic party be angry if uh, a democratic president said we need to go further they'd be happy with that yeah that's what that richardson guy had wanted in the previous episode yeah it's yeah, just i just I think, think she, what she's of, saying makes no sense yeah but i i guess what she's saying doesn't make so much sense but it, it could make him look weak like immediately after the bills passed. Yeah, it might just be that it's so soon yeah that you need to like at sure. least claim it as a victory first and yeah, then say we need to expand it yeah the, that's one a valid argument but that particular thing she says about what it'll do to the people who are to the left of the president i just don't it doesn't make any sense to me yeah i, I kind of get uh, that but maybe the center left certainly the people who felt like they were forced to vote for this bill they didn't want to have this on their record after that sam has to dip out and take his cheese meeting it's the sad sack guy from Scrubs. It's the lawyer. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he, he's worried about UFOs. Something's heading east in the sky over the Pacific. It's in and out of our radar. We can't see it. And it's up there right now. I leave you with that thought. Sam blows him off. And then he gives him a pen and sends him on his way. Well, so one of the comments that Sam mentions is that 
um, they've already had enough trouble with the first lady and her Ouija board. Oh, right. Yeah. And Josh even brings it up later in the episode like it was a press thing. Like people, they had to sort of do damage control about the first lady and her Ouija board. And we haven't met the first lady yet. But when you do, this is not the type of problem this kind of first lady would have. Yeah, um, that actually has like a real world analog to uh, Nancy Reagan like consulted an astrologer famously <laughs> and brought them like into the White House to like give, do like a tarot card reading. Oh, my goodness. So, Too soon, guys. Come on. Oh, sorry, <laughs> we, guys. Now we should do like maybe a seance for Nancy Reagan. Maybe. Too soon. Well, that's the best time to ca- do a seance. Oh. This is getting very morbid. (laughs) Mandy and uh, CJ have a quick scene where they're prepping to have a fundraiser. uh, And they're going to go to this guy, Larry Posner's house. They had done it before. And then there's a funny bit of CJ backstory where she got pushed into a pool by Roberto Benigni. It's a really out of context thing. But it ends up being a thing in a future episode. So they're just planting the seed there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. CG oh yeah, Roberto Benini. <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> and then at one point you catch a glimpse of I guess the those two writers with those names, we don't know who's actually who. Larry Ned? Larry Ned. You see their workspace and they have a giant Washington Redskins banner on oh, their Oh, I did not notice that. I'm like that would not fly in the White House. Oh, right. Of of modern times. You mean the Washington football team? Is that what people are calling it now? (laughs) To avoid saying the bad word. Then there's a a quick scene of Leo and the president with a bunch of economists. Bartlett drops some economic science, which he hasn't really got a chance to do before in the show. So I love how the president says the word dollars. He says dollars. Uh, That's a a debt increase of $188 billion against a $22 billion deficit. And he sounds like (laughs) Colonel Sanders. (laughs) Like only when he says that word. Dallas. That's a weird thing to pick up a Southern accent for, for one word. You know, Colonel Sanders had a really hard life before he did the chicken thing. Oh, and, yeah? And there's a... um, Yeah. Did he? Care to elaborate? Mm-mm. <laughs> I mean, you know how hard it was for him to work his way up to Colonel? Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a lady in this scene, and she is, like, super into the president having some knowledge. You knew those numbers in your head? Like, she gets, like, verklempt. Ver- did you say that word? Fuckclimbed. Fuckclimbed. <laughs> don't, don't do that anymore. That, <laughs> don't, you can't. Don't do that. How do you? How do you say you it? You can't Yiddish. I wouldn't. I don't. Fuckclimbed. 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 Is it an F? It's F a, sound. Yeah, an F sound. Okay. Fuckclimbed. She's fuckclimbed. Mm-hmm. Is that better? Good, yeah. Good job, Eric. Right, <laughs> That's uh, cultural appropriation. Learning Yiddish with Eric. They actually start talking about something that I think is really important that they just totally throw out there these very heavy concepts and then gloss over and he says yeah you know the budget isn't simply just is it balanced or is it in deficit or is it in surplus there's long-term capital outlays and off-budget expenditures and this is actually a huge game that presidents play with their budgets for example george w bush administration kept all of the iraq war costs off budget so whenever there were budget negotiations it's like no we're going to spend the money anyway and we're just not even going to put it in the budget. And then long-term capital outlays. We became, should do more stuff like that. Yeah, right. We just spend yeah. money and be like, no, we're not actually spending money. Just yeah, like, that, that, no, not that one. It's off budget. Not then does thing. it show up in the budget later? Right. Like la- later on. Well, that was what the whole you know, thing he made up, I guess, in the meeting was. He says it was a $22 billion budget deficit resulted in 
$100 billion being added to the national debt in the same year, which means 80, approximately $80 billion uh, were off budget that year. All I know is whatever he said, that lady was like, damn, that's impressive, <laughs> yo. Yeah. And then the other thing was long-term capital outlays was front and center during the Obama administration's push to do the stimulus package because everyone kept saying, oh, this is spending, this is spending, it takes us further into deficit. But you can't just look at the benefits of any particular expenditure for the short term. You have to look at what what improvements does it make to our economy and therefore our ability to tax and raise revenue 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line. And so all too often, f- political fights for the benefit of the public focus too much on, oh, we're spending, you know, $20 billion this year on X, when actually it's a net surplus to the budget over 10 years because it has, for every dollar you spend, it creates like $10 in the economy. Right. Like you're you're mortgaging a house, but you're not paying rent ongoing. Yeah. Or you're taking out student loans because then you'll be able to make twice as much money right. per year later. So there's beneficial long-term effects of short-term debt that never get talked about in our political system because people just don't are too myopic to think that far along. Yeah. You're kind of being a Bernie bro right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the, there's Zoe's coming by later. The president's really excited about it. He's going to make some chili for everybody. I'm going to make chili. Yes. I'll make it for everybody. The first lady's in Pakistan, so he can eat whatever he wants, despite what Charlie says. He's like so excited for the chili, man. Chili. Yes. He's so, like President Chili. No, no one else is. Chili President. Yeah, no, this is nobody a great, wants a chili. Just delightful scene where he announces to the staff they're all invited for dinner. He's going to make chili and everyone's like, oh. And then he reminds them to look down at the seal in the room and then look back up and respond the way you're supposed to respond to the president. That's great. great. That's terrific. There. You see how benevolent I can be when everybody just does what I tell them to do? Now, sit down. He's like, I'm the president, bitch. The whole episode, he's like, oh, I got this special basketball player. Look at my big fancy rug. Whenever You're going to eat my though, m- meat stew. <laughs> well, you he, know, he, he, uh, he made up the numbers in that meeting, too. Yeah. He, he admits later. So he's he's, gonna che- call him he's on like it. so cheeky about using his power that way. Well, aside from the comic relief of that, that's kind of the theme with Toby and Bartlett where he wants to be liked. He has this insatiable desire to be liked. I think a lot of politicians do. And I love that this show explores the like insatiable narcissism of a successful politician. And that is the, that's one of the demons that ends up interfering with his, his better angels, his, his uh, liberal ideals. Mandy brings up the thing about, should they go to this fundraiser in Hollywood? And Toby immediately like shoots down the idea. Nope. Why? Because 24 hours earlier, the president's going to give a speech to the entertainment industry on violence in film and television. A speech I don't think he should be giving. That's besides the point. Like a very early 90s type sentiment that he's he's espousing here. My first impression of that was that Toby is way like to the right on this than I ever expected he would be because he was saying... No, actually what I mean to say is Larry Posner's movies are indicative of a Hollywood that is excessively violent arrogantly violent and is promoting violence and the disrespect to human life that's not something i would expect coming from toby i couldn't really tell if toby was his issue was it seemed like initially was with the violence and gratuitous sex and everything but then he seemed to have 
more of an issue with being hypocritical. I don't see how we can admonish Hollywood on a Tuesday and cash their check on a Wednesday. How can we do that? Because it's Hollywood. Who gives a damn? Well, yeah, that, so that's what it ended up being is that the president asked him to write this speech and so in the process of writing it i think he had like come to like embody the viewpoint just to be able to write it effectively but then once it became like something worth that was like on the table again he like goes off on the president if i were an actor or a writer or a director or a a, a producer in hollywood and someone were to start coming at me with lists of things that were american and un-american i'd start to think that this was sounding eerily familiar do I look like Joe McCarthy to you, Toby? No, sir. Nobody ever looks like Joe McCarthy. Um, and that that's kind of where they really blow up on each other. So this thing that's been like brewing for a few episodes comes right. to a head in this scene. And it's 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 a pretty like uh, intense scene at some points. The president makes a really good point, though, that the problem with this guy, this director, like Larry Posner, I think it was, is that he... It's not that he makes movies that are violent and have gratuitous sex. It's that they're bad movies and people are going to go see them. So we just have to somehow convince people to stop seeing bad movies. And is this Michael Bay that movies. we're talking about? Who, who was it? Who's Larry Posner? I think that's the implication. Some Jew. <laughs> it could also be, is he a dir- I don't think he's a director. He might be like a studio head. He's a producer, I think. So he's, he's Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Sounds like a Jew. <laughs> or Jerry Bruckheimer. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, and uh the president's a little uh cynical about it, about how they can it's a easy thing to score political points off of, but he sort of agrees with it too. So I uh yeah, they uh they they blow up at each other in that one. But Toby really like he is really far right. He he, he like he thinks it's time for the for the entertainment companies to show moral leadership lol. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's weird. Yeah, he seems to, it's hard to tell if he's being truly passionate or if he's just kind of getting in the president's face about ethics and morals and trying to, try. he's like trolling him a little bit. Well, yeah, there there's a line in the middle where he kind of flips what he's arguing and he just says, basically like, you asked me to write this, cut the Sam and Josh after that, um, which is like a funny disjointed scene because it starts as a Sam and Josh scene and then it's a Sam and Kathy scene and then it's a Sam and Josh scene again. Uh, Josh is still super freaked out about his NSA card. So, Ka- oh, oh, go uh, ahead. Uh, Kathy ate Sam's donut. <laughs> <laughs> well, so then Josh, um, you know, is worried about Donna and his, uh, his card and then he asks Sam. You're close with Kathy, right? I haven't seen her naked if that's what you're asking. No, Sam. Wow, that's not what I'm asking. I mean, and I was just like, disgusting. What yeah. a horrifying answer. Yeah, why is that his first like, thought there? Sam is supposed to be he's, so. He's, he's thought about it. He's yeah, considered it. He's really considered it, and he's already like, I and think he, maybe he has at this actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's his first thought. He, I think that he still needs to kind of come back from the weird Lori interaction. Like that's still in my mind a little bit, and this is you now he's just right back in Creepland. Josh uh, spills the beans about the card to Sam. When they gave you the card and they told you that it was just you and not Kathy, how did you how did you feel about that? When they gave me what card? The NSC guy, the card with the directions. And then Josh uh, just plays it off and, and dips. Yeah, he sort of leaves that in a weird spot. Because if I were Sam, I would have tons of questions well, did, about what card he was talking about. I think he covers for it really smoothly by being like, oh, I was, I was talking about that other card. And then just walks out. <laughs> it was just my library card. Never mind. 
Uh, there's a, then there's a CJ's cheese meeting. It's with a environmental group, and they they have a a slide up that's like says Pluey on it. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> that's not a name. So this is real. Pluey is a real name. Pluey was a real wolf. Damn it. Um, so the, the Wikipedia article in this particular episode has a lot of like what is true and what is not. And this was real. And Pluey actually did um, inspire legislation to build a road from I think Yosemite to some other park. Is it wolves only? Wolves only roadways. I don't think it's just wolves. It's because then at the end of this meeting, there's like a bear named like. Bonnie. Bonnie the bear. Yeah. So I think it's for a lot of animals to be able to get around without being. But we're going to focus on a wolves only. Well, you can in the well, meeting. Once, once the scientists figure it out in the labs. Yeah. So also a great little cameo here is a young Nick Offerman. Yep. And Nick Offerman looks exactly the same as older Nick Offerman. And he's legitimately dressed like a lumberjack. He's wearing a flannel. He hasn't changed at all. He's just become, I think, more Nick Offerman y as he's gotten yeah, this older. Is, this is before he went pure libertarian. Yes. <laughs> uh, but the the crazy thing is that the, the Wolves Only Highway is going to cost $900 million to build. Yeah. Only. Only. Yeah. Uh, and then CJ laughs it off and makes a joke about Pluey. And then the lady who's like working the slide projector is like, Pluey's dead. How dare you? <laughs> Uh, Mandy and Toby next. Uh, they have a, a quick scene about the fundraiser again. Um, they uh, Mandy's just trying to like convince Toby that she's right that they should go take this money because he's been a good donor before. And then Mandy, uh, I don't know. She she drops a bomb here. She says, "I I, I want to be nice, but like I'm glad David Rosen passed on the communications job. They couldn't have done better than you." Excuse me. Uh, and what universe is that a nice thing to say and to somebody? She even reiterates like this is me being nice. And she is like, not. She was being so nice. chill. She was being very unnice, yeah. dude. And then she was mean. She was mean. So mean. And what makes no sense is Mandy wasn't the first choice for her job because she wasn't working in the White House. She yeah. was apparently on the campaign staff and wasn't chosen to work in the White House. Her her job to even exist wasn't even a first choice. Yeah. True. Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't matter to Toby. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I wonder care. how she found it out. Maybe maybe she knows this other guy or something. But I, yeah, that's a really weird. It's like I'm 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 really glad that like your boyfriend didn't decide <laughs> like to like keep screwing around with this other girl. <laughs> what if what if someone read the wrong line? No. And they just kept it in my in the back of just in improv my mind, the rest of the scenes later in the like imaginary prequel to this show. Um, like Mandy is involved in what happens after he gets elected and then leaves to go work on Lloyd's like campaign. Well, she made, she made a bunch of money really quick too, though. Right. She, she just cashed out like this other guy did apparently. Yes. So not I, nice. I don't remember the next scene. I just have a thing. It says Toby and CJ, Toby freaks on CJ. So to- oh. <laughs> this is where he's like freaking out that he wasn't the first choice. Oh, right, right, right. And then he says the saddest thing. So all of a sudden I became the kid in the class with his hand raised that nobody wants the teacher to call on. So I know it is not. Toby. <laughs> yeah. Like that's so sad. Have you ever felt like that? No, no, definitely yes. not. Jason, you totally have. No way. <laughs> Never. But I mean, in this episode, every time he's spoken, it's turned into like a shouting argument with the president. 
he was with he was in the basketball courts and that didn't turn out well and then in the press conference thing he was didn't turn out well and then in the oval office it also did not turn out well so he's kind of got a point there yeah and also i just have to say like toby's fights with the president i th- i always think they're funny and they get they were it was funny in the beginning of the episode and then it's getting less and less funny as this episode progresses oh yeah the, the previous one was not funny at all it was yeah. not good goodwill no not at all and it's just like getting more and more serious and it can get even more serious from here i think so josh then goes to his therapist because he's still like bummed out about this nsa card he uh he talks about the smallpox article and he talks about how he has the ave maria stuck in his head so this is like a little spoilery but every time josh is like stressed and he always can't stop hearing classical music right and i just i wish i had that problem yeah i mean at least like this one he like he seeks it out uh and then there's like a a lot actually a lot of backstory on josh here where he talks about how his sister um played it all the time and she was babysitting for him when she died in a fire there's a freudian slip where he uses her name when he's talking about the rest of the staff Joni and toby and cj and sam Joni? what and her her name is Joni, which is like the a lot of j names it's josh Joni, jenny janine janine josiah do you think that cj cj <laughs> geo <laughs> Ginger, Joby, Joby, yeah. So th- this just feels like very like like someone some intern look up survivor's guilt for me in the DSM four. Maybe you've just never killed your sister. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, it's a little. It's like gets really depressing really quickly. Yeah, this is a really uh, heavy scene that is almost uh, on. Un- unrivaled and so at least so far this is definitely the heaviest scene yeah but it's nice that they're i think that this episode is mostly about character exploration and it's like getting into the nitty-gritty of each of of not each character but a good number of them in an important way and helps develop them a lot so there's a little uh tidbit that josh like stopped going after he started working at the white house because the people you work for wouldn't like that he says like he the guy's like how come you haven't seen me in 10 months or something like that so i actually thought it was sort of strange wouldn't it wouldn't they have a therapist or someone like the the president has a military doctor like someone that the people at the white house could see or talk to about confidential things no no well that's that's that actually sort of happens later right but you would think that they would have Have somebody on staff yeah yeah, uh, then they go to Josh in his office, and he's like, he found his Ave Maria CD, and he's listening to it, and uh, CJ pops in. So he tells her. Yeah, he tells her about the card directly, um, and he he makes an assumption that nobody else does have it. Yeah. He doesn't know that. Or maybe there's scenes they didn't show. Yeah, he's, I think it's implied, or he says that Toby doesn't have it. Right. And But CJ... Regardless, is like handles. This she affirms that really, she does not have it. Yeah, and she's really cool about it. She's just like, well, it is what it is. Like, I'm the press secretary. If, in an event like that, they're not going to need a press secretary. I feel like they definitely would, though. I feel like they would want a speechwriter, maybe, or someone. Yeah, because if it, assuming that it's not like fallout level of like 
there's no communications in the world, at which point the government doesn't really exist anyways, then a lot of that's just going to be like showing face and like, oh, that lady that we see on TV all the time still here. The president gave his speech with a bullhorn on top of the rubble. Like (laughs) that's like the enduring stuff that comes out of those moments, not the like particulars of like Josh isn't going to get anything in particular done more than like some other random like technocratic person that can accomplish things. You would think though, like it would be CJ or Toby would be valuable, like because Toby also kind of helps to form the message of the White House, which is a kind of a similar thing, and CJ is like the face of that. So I don't know. It's I don't know why is Josh there. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, uh, oh, there's been a nuclear attack. Someone do a whip count and see if uh, we have a, a quorum in order to pass a new law like that's his job his job is to liaise with congress and if unless all of congress gets the card maybe they do they probably do and in which case yeah he's the he's the guy that's supposed to like go up to all these uh senators and congressmen in the bunker and be like so are you a yes on cleaning up the rubble it just seems like we gotta uh, pass a like (laughs) anti-mutant immigration policy (laughs) (laughs) not gonna get you to pass it all yeah, it's strange. It seems like you would think all of the senior staff would have this card. There's only like three more of them that would need it. That's it. Yeah, they could like all fit in the back of a taxi together. Yeah, and if everyone in Congress has it, then yeah, like, they should. And mutants do the jobs that regular Americans won't do. <laughs> <laughs> That's just true. Josh has a um a firing range target on his wall. Yeah, as like a weird. decoration. Um, yeah, it's really odd. Then Josh brings up the smallpox article that CJ had recommended to him back to her, and he's super scary. If 100 people in New York City get it, there's going to be a global medical emergency that's going to make HIV look like cold and flu season. That's how it's going to be, a, a little test tube with a, a rubber cap that's deteriorating. Guy steps out of Times Square station, psh, Smashes it on the sidewalk. There's a world war right there. Uh, which doesn't never happens in this show. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't have a biological warfare scenario. Um, and then CJ is really nice to him about it. You're very sweet sometimes. You really are. And then it's uh, it's chili party time. Chili. Chili, yes. Uh, chili. Um, Bartlett's bragging about his uh, basketball skills. See, I am a master of the fundamentals. Um, CJ is trying to sell people on the wolf highway. She hated the wolves. Now she loves the wolves. Yeah. Somebody always turns every big block of cheese. But she was really dismissive to them. You know, she was a jerk. There's a great fun fact that more people are killed by vending machines than wolves every year. (laughs) And she keeps talking about it, too, because there's like multiple conversations where you hear part of it. So she keeps bringing it up with different people. Yeah. I think Donna is just like, how? Yeah. Well, sure now. But after the super highway, then there's going to be more wolves everywhere, probably. Sam kind of turned around too because he was asking Kathy to check in on the UFO thing for him. So it seems like everybody, uh, at least their particular cheese meeting, goes to their head a little bit. And then we um, they go to check on the chili in the kitchen and we get to meet Zoe Bartlett. Oh my God, it's that person. Baby from Elizabeth the Moss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's great. Peggy. Um, Josh grabs her a little inappropriately. Yeah, this is this is where the episode really goes downhill on the whole these women thing. 
this is where the title of the episode really comes into play. Well, okay, first let's just say so Josh and Zoe have their like weird moment and then Charlie uh, so, comes Zoe, in. Zoe first says that he looks like death on a Triscuit. Yes. <laughs> and then his response, which corroborates my theory about Josh's hair, is I'm seeing a new barber. <laughs> then Charlie and Zoe meet cute over over so some chili. Cute. Sparks yeah. are flying. So are they Chari, Zoli, or Charzo? Ooh. Mm-hmm. I like it's Charizard. almost like Charizard. Yeah, me too. It, it's like Charizard. Yeah. <laughs> <Pokemon>. <laughs> he, he first calls her ma'am, and she doesn't like that. But that's just habit. Yeah. She's she's, a, she's an important lady. Uh, yeah. They they he he corrects her chili recipe. It's oregano, not cumin, that the thing needs. You idiot, woman. And then and then Josh dips out because um, he you can tell that he's being a third wheel a little bit. So that's a, that's a cute scene. Oh yeah, we skipped one. Um, Bartlett and Toby uh, have their like makeup chat oh, real yeah. quick. Toby directly asks him if this other guy was the first person that got offered his job. The president kind of laughs it off and is like, "Thank God that guy didn't take it. Like I couldn't do it without you." Basically, tells Toby he's the moral compass for him. Essentially, I couldn't live without you, Toby. You are a wise and brilliant man. Which is a very kind thing to say to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> they love each other. They do. But also the president totally out CJ. Oh, but yeah. He's she, like, CJ told me that shit. He was yeah. like, that thing you said about being the kid in the classroom with the hand. Yeah. yeah she, whatever. It's not true. She told me. That or Bartlett's uh, got some Nixonian recording devices in every room. I think he might because there's a thing the scene after that he has his like little like speech and he knew everybody's meeting yeah he he had very specific things on like really particular details you know it would have been nice to see the president take a block of cheese meeting in this episode i wish they could do that <laughs> yeah. like the khaleesi khaleesi takes petitioners all day yeah. <laughs> oh and i i did like that you know, Bartlett is so magnanimous to Toby and he makes him feel better and he is just really nice. And then Toby's only response is like, I think that it's 50-50 on whether you're like a dick or good. Like, of all the other jerks, you're like maybe kind of okay. Yeah, you're not a 100% jerk. I, I guess the context of it, though is that it's a like one in a million chance for that to even happen so that it being 50-50 is still something. Yeah. It, it fits into Toby's deep, deep cynicism. Yeah, he's like, yeah. you're not Hitler. Yeah. Also, Toby like everyone else like, has been. doesn't know emotions. Like he doesn't. I don't think he knows how to use them properly. Yeah, he definitely struggles to like. You know. To feel. <laughs> well, he, no, like, no. He, he feel, I think he feels too much. <laughs> oh, maybe. I. He's like very passionate. And he's then, an angry dude. But when it comes to his own feelings, he's not good at you know dealing with it. Yeah. Toby feel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the the president says, "Thank you, Toby. Now go away." And that's that's the end of that scene. Later they have the president and Leo and Josh. Um first like CJ is still on the wolf thing talking. She's like brought it all the way up to the president. Yeah. At this point it's like it's skipped all the levels of the like interior service or whatever. And then she leaves and then they they do this weird thing about like Oh, we're just talking about these women. We're talking about these women. Yeah? 
We can't get over these women. So this scene this is super good. Good old women. It's There's so, like this lady and that lady. So okay, and they all go through all of the women in the room, <laughs> and it's well, it, CJ. Kinda. Is like a okay, yeah. This is CJ is a fifties movie star, capable, loving, energetic. Mandy is like going for punch for punch with Toby. It's amazing that a woman can have a conversation with a man. It's almost like yeah. they're people like <laughs> us guys. And Leo says, "In a world that tells women to sit down and shut up." And then Mrs. Landingham lost two sons in Vietnam. Why would she ever want to work in the government? And this is my favorite part. There's Kathy, Donna. Margaret. And then Kathy, Donna, and Margaret. Yeah. Honorable mention. They're, That's it. they're <laughs> also <laughs> vagina. <laughs> There's nothing about them. Just they exist. And Karen ate that donut. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a man would. <laughs> you go, weak. girl. <laughs> Impressive despite their genitals. And yet they still get out of bed every day. Pretty sure <laughs> none of them have an NSA card. Yeah, While women. No. <laughs> So, oh, oh yeah, also, none I, of them but, do. That's so. Yes. That's <laughs> how not. does Mrs. Lanningham not have a card for she? Of all? She might because the president does like kind of need her. Yeah, he can't function without. He her. can't even find his glasses. I hope Charlie better have a card. Oh, he passed you. Yeah. But the other thing is, like, Mrs. Lanningham gets an accolade for perfect attendance. <laughs> that's so lame yeah so i don't know sometimes they talk about those like perfect attendance people come and on i'm really impressed because i take lots of sick please days. let's all recall our days in grade school when they gave out perfect attendance awards like that one person who actually had perfect attendance how did you feel about that person kiss ass no not good feelings right <laughs> not you weren't impressed i think it is impressive all right i, I do i am impressed. oh you in, do like, value punctuality more than most well, Brandon. I just I take da- I take my days and I take my days. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this scene always makes me feel really conflicted because I think the intent is good. Like they're trying to be like maybe we've been super misogynistic the past like three episodes and now let's appreciate all these ladies. But it's so misguided. But they don't get their like moment in the sun to warrant the everybody coming around to this conclusion of like oh didn't cj really do this thing well today in this right. like in this hour of television didn't miss landing him have a nice moment didn't kathy do something yeah it's the exact same show it always is yeah. and then it's just yeah. this out of nowhere it's a total non sequitur like in past in episodes we've already seen cj has done more awesome stuff than be like than resemble a 50s movie star well and, and it's like the implication is these women are exceptional women like, these are just the average, like, kind of women. These are amazing women. But, I mean, why? These are women like other women. It's just so unfortunate the way that they do this. They should just have a whole episode where all these women do awesome things. And not, not like, they don't have to point it out. <laughs> but but as we see, it will get a little worse. <laughs> when? Well. Uh, well, well, later in the scene first, uh, the Josh brings up, the nsa card thing again and i i I just really my favorite thing about that scene is the way leo like switches into like business mode president there's something that's been bothering me for most of the day and while i know this is an inappropriate time what's on your mind josh what's the matter son what do you need to talk about i'm here for you (laughs) it's it's very like they're laughing and joking around yeah he's like he starts brushing his head really gently (laughs) uh and then he uh josh gives the card back which I don't, I don't know. He he 
they gave him that for a reason. Right. So he gives this whole like impassioned speech about how he wants to be with all his friends and these women, which sounds weird. <laughs> I just want to be surrounded by all these women. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to be the bunker with all the fucking dudes. No. Yeah, this is like you know, too many to get some dudes for It's like, no homo. And as Josh knows... <laughs> I guess, yeah, the, these women are, they're not getting into the bunker. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> so but he's going to be outside. He's going to repopulate. He's, he's going to repopulate the world with his mutant babies. <laughs> yeah, this survival bunker is a massive sausage yeah. party. Or and, maybe uh, in reference to our last episode, it's a real hot dog fest. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the president and Leo and Fitz and his Batman. <laughs> That's really just it. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, Josh gives it away, uh, gives the card back. Hey, real quick for a second women right <laughs> <laughs> these were these ones we should at the end of this episode and be like annalise she's <laughs> so great hmm. and that's it no <laughs> no are you, hmm. are you asking us to do that i mean we'll do that that's what you're asking us to do no one's stopping you um <laughs> but, but leo, leo and the president are totally fine having their cards <laughs> so nonchalant about josh giving up his card yeah like, you think they would be like Let's talk about this tomorrow. Yeah. Not during chilly time. <laughs> yeah, this is chilly party, bro. Yeah. Put it your is. card back. Okay. The uh president like, you know, knocks on his glass and he he gives a speech. He knock he, he bangs a spoon against his bowl of chili <laughs> to get everybody's attention. <laughs> As you do. Uh and then he's he's congratulates Zoe. She's starting Georgetown in the spring. This prior to medical school and a life of celibacy. Yeah, right. She's going to get fucked. Yeah, that was really creepy. This is the pinnacle. This is maybe the nadir of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) But I do, I also... And then they zoom in on Mandy's face and she's like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. But by the way, I don't think they have chili yet because during this magical speech is when Charlie gives like the signal, oh, this, the, the chili the, signal, the, the international chili signal. For it's, it only chili. took it only took Zoe and him about twenty minutes to season the already made chili with oregano. But their seasoning, you know, it was like in Ghost with like Patrick Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "How about some oregano?" Ooh, ma'am. And he's like holding her hand behind her. Yeah. Um. There's a there's a really funny thing and like there's a shot of Charlie and there's like this guy in a tux behind them and he's just standing there watching the speech and nobody else I figured it was like a Secret Service guy but they usually dress for the occasion yeah like they try to blend in so it's he's like massively overdressed the for this West thing. Wing Butler who yeah. is always there maybe I, I dressed for a dinner it's more of a supper really I like chili <laughs> is that your Colonel Sanders dollar voice. <laughs> Oh, and during the speech, towards the end of it, Bartlett name checks Toby, and they cut to Toby, and Toby is doing what I can only describe as a super creepy detached thumb routine with his hands. Like what's, a, what's a thumb routine? You know, where you're like... Explodey hands? You're like, oh. He's oh, like a I got your hand. nose type for the, thing? For the record, I'm I'm weaving my thumb between my pointer and middle finger on one hand and then hiding my thumb in my it's fist. It's like the magic trick where hand. you make it look like your thumb is detached from your, yeah, that's good. your other hand. That's a good one. I just, I invite you to look and watch yeah, this I scene. Yeah, It's really creepy and strange. Also, Leo, who I think we've commented before on his very emotive facial expressions is just like deadpan when they like after this super inspiring speech that the president gives he's just like dead in the face oh by the way caveat i've i've been known to misinterpret toby's hand gestures in the past <laughs> yeah just putting it uh, out there Bartlett drops like a pop 
policy proposal in the middle of the speeches. To, he's like, oh, isn't it great how uh, my daughter is going to college? And also, we need to have all students go to college. And like he drops all these really weird specifics in the middle of a thing where, like, nope, it's not a political speech. And he, he, it's, it's a weird thing. chilly night, bro. Yeah, it's chilly night. Lighten up, buddy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's then he also mentions all those like really specific things like he he mentions the satellite thing um that it was a satellite re-entering the atmosphere which i don't think that would ever get picked up on radar it would burn up way too high well they wouldn't tell you about it i know and i don't think i think the bartlett's covering so that sam shuts up about it because sam doesn't have his card yet his ufo card yeah i like how the president's sort of like oh you've all met with these people reluctantly but you all learned something and are really into these causes now we're not going to do anything about it. So fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, he, knows about the, he knows about the smallpox thing, which wasn't even one of the meetings. It was just something Josh read. I think this just reaffirms that they right. are listening. to. And then, and then he quotes uh, Ronald Reagan at the end. As we did in a time when our eyes look towards the heavens. And with outstretched fingers, we touch the face of God. Uh, from the speech when the Challenger exploded, he says... As they prepared for their journey and waved goodbye and slipped the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. So, yeah, I didn't like cool. that. It's weird. I didn't like it. Well, it's like, it's not, it's like a Casey Kasem thing of like, keep your feet planted on the ground and reach for the stars. <laughs> All right. Aw, Casey Kasem. <laughs> Rest in peace. I don't know if he's dead. I just said that. We'll be. just go with it. Yeah. Go with it. <laughs> And uh, and that's the that's the close of the episode is is that one. Um, and then the the credits is uh, CJ laughing at the wolf people. It's a yeah, not not an action shot. Um, but it is one of those women. So at least, <laughs> so let's, let's do some headlines. Like I have very very few this week. Yeah, this is a tough one. Yeah, the, this one's a problem because the whole idea was that we were going to do headlines on things that made the news. Right. And this did. episode took place over a day and nothing newsworthy happened at all. Right. Presumably the big block of cheese day, in addition to being a nice thing to do, would also be really good publicity for the White House. Yeah. Right. Like, or look, look how we're not only talking to special interests, that kind of thing. Right. So I would assume that would be in the news. And then also maybe Zoe Bartlett scouting for campus housing. Or yeah. Off, off campus. Yeah. Housing. She's starting college soon. Yeah. So maybe those two things. Zoe Bartlett was spotted on Fifth Avenue. I don't know. That's in that's New York. Thing. In New York. <laughs> I don't know. There's any probably that. a Fifth They're Avenue. They're like the just about everywhere. No, it'd be like on like Washington B Street. Yeah, they have. I don't know. Yeah, four. Like letters. So my there? my Zoe one is uh, just first freshman. <laughs> it's really bad. So I have a, I have like a similarly like unexciting one, <laughs> and it's you know how I like. I like to rhyme. Yeah. First daughter skips on alma mater because the Ooh. president is really into Notre Dame oh. at his alma mater. Oh, that's pretty good. And then I tried to make something with Krampus work and campus, but I couldn't no, do it. No, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> if only it were the holidays. Yeah. I did the um, the wolves. Okay. What do you got? I went with wolves. So first of all, I didn't think that Bluey was a real thing. So now I'm, <laughs> like, I feel bad about that. Because <laughs> I... I thought like they just they just like made that up like because because he went kaplooey. Oh man, oh. dude, th- th- too I have the soon, same thing. too soon. I know. I'm sorry. Did you I'm literally sorry. have the same I one? Had, I had wolves only highway goes kaplooey. Okay, oh. I, I, I have a wolf highway one too. Do you have? Oh yeah, one? let's do the wolf highway one. Okay, my mine is 
Um, wolf Highway. I went all Wolf Highway. So this, this is uh, uh, assuming that the cost of it got out. It's way high. Uh, White House considering billion dollar Wolf Highway. Like, are they high? Way high highway. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I put the emphasis wrong. Way high. <laughs> oh, that's better. White House considering there billion dollar Wolf Highway. <laughs> much better. Much better. By the way. Uh, this is the start of CJ's running theme of wild dog species. Hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> like it's wolves and then jackals. Um, oh, yeah. the, 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 the theme for. Yeah. I think that's it though. Braden doesn't get that. Yet. I don't get it. You'll see. Okay. Soon enough. Did you have another wolves one? No, that's the only one. So I have got. like, I'm sorry, but yeah. I have like a bunch of cheese. No. Ones, oh, like a so block of <laughs> Just cheese? get them all out real quick. Okay. Okay, big block of cheese day. White House does some Gouda. <laughs> Gouda. Nice. Good. No, I see. <laughs> Feta up. <laughs> Frustrated special interests meet with White House. <laughs> this is like maybe like a like a Latin newspaper would do this. Mm-hmm. Um, White House clone queso. <laughs> That's it. Like at the Vatican. Yeah. Does anyone else have cheese puns? Casablanca con queso. Oh, that's great. Nice. Yeah. No, I would do the wolves. I want all wolf. I I only have cheese. Um, so I'll keep going. (laughs) Cam embarrassing. (laughs) White House House UFO (laughs) enthusiast. Uh, that seg- that one segues perfectly into an- my cheese theme one, which is Daria Fifty One <laughs> Cheese Day UFO cover up. <laughs> and then I have one last cheese pun. Like this would be a negative one if like someone thought the big block of Cheese Day was a waste of time. Um, matzo, really? White House. <laughs> White House wastes taxpayer money on special interests. Oh, that also leads into my mind, which is lacked O's. Cheese Day advocacy <laughs> underwhelms. <laughs> you had more wolf ones. Yeah, I had a, a few wolf ones. I had, I said, dire streets like dire wolves, oh. you know, and there would be like a picture of wolves. Someone reads fantasy novels. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I did um, Utopia Packway because they're wolves. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. And how about a little Highway to Howl? Oh, I don't like what you're doing with your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but good. The, okay. The, the talking. <laughs> or... You might find yourself on the upper beast side. Oh. <laughs> if, uh, if Toby and the president's uh, arguments got out, it was a commu- communications breakdown. Mm. But this is uh, in Led Zeppelin congressional quarter. <laughs> <laughs> so it, if they'd gone through with their uh, with Toby's suggestion, the headline would be Bartlett goes off half cocked on Dem gun bill. Oh, that's pretty good. And my last one is uh, White House rocked by class action sexual harassment lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> uh, anything else? You got anywhere? 
I think that's it. So, uh, so what's you guys' final thoughts on this one? Best wing. <laughs> I say best wing because um, let me elaborate on that. <laughs> I think I really liked how much they delved into different characters this episode, and there was no like major exciting thing to really drive the episode. It was just like interesting character points, really. Um, maybe the uh, nuclear card the NSA card that Josh got was sort of interesting but it was mostly they used these things to um, explore really serious issues with the characters and it had all those warm fuzzy feelings that I love when I watch this show in addition to some like heavy things so best wing I would say best wing even though this is kind of like I guess a more simplistic less ambitious episode in a lot of ways because it the focus of this episode is to set up the the conflict between being ethical and and idealistic and just being interested in winning politically and i just think that's that that conflict rings true so much in politics and it's hard to really kind of convey that in a realistic way where the staff and the president are having a legitimate conflict about that problem and uh they pull this off so well, I think, and this is sort of the start of, of it just being a running theme that you almost don't even realize how hard it probably was to make that seem credible and authentic. So definitely gets a lot of credit for that. I I thought this one was good also. I, would, I wouldn't call this like the best wing. Is it next best wing? It, was, which... it wasn't. A, it was maybe a next best wing or maybe like a... Like a Kanye West wing. Just like, <laughs> it was like... Is it a Kim Kardashian West wing? No, no, no. No. More like... Brother Cornell West wing? I like that. Because there's like talking about some good shit, but also like kind of uninspiring. Yeah. I'm I'm giving this an S wing plus. So it's a next best wing. Yeah. Or is that... Do we need a scale between we, next best and I N? did not like it as much as last week's episode. But I... I, I I this one is very memorable. Like this is like a fan favorite, I yeah. think, because the big block of cheese day thing is like they do it a few times, and this is the first one of those. And it's got Nick Offerman in it, which is great. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's it, lots of people in it. Yeah, cameo cameos galore. Scrubs guy, Peggy. Well, yeah. she's gonna be in it. Don't. <laughs> she's the daughter. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's not a spoiler. Okay. Um, but yeah, this one just it, she died. <laughs> <laughs> this one's definitely like a re-rack episode in a way. It's like they're just, it's like we were saying earlier, like there's a lot of things finished last episode. They have to start some new stuff and they kind of like, they seed the plot line of like, we're going to go to California. Right. We're uh, the president and Toby. We're going to ramp up that thing a little bit. So I mean, the character moments are nice, but they didn't actually resolve anything and they didn't, all they did was like set up things pretty ambiguously here. But it's fun, and it's got some funny scenes, too. But, yeah, that, that just the thematic incoherence of it, like, throw me off, like, quite a bit. Because every time I see that title, I'm like, oh, yeah, it must, like, have, must mean something. But and then I watch the episode, and it's like, oh, right. This is literally, like, two phrases that get said. Like, Josh says crackpots. <laughs> and it, actually, this is the first one, other than, like, pilot, that does not have somebody say the title line. They They break the format a little bit there. Well, yeah. not all at once, yeah. Yeah, every other one's had it. Like, it's been a phrase somebody said. Yeah. I'd be like if we picked a title that wasn't something somebody said. Yeah. <laughs> Fans would I revolt. mean, the title of this sucks. <laughs> and I think that it, the whole thing could do without the entire part with these women. 
that whole thing kind of is terrible. But I think that it develop it does a lot of character development for the future. Like it really establishes Toby's role in this show, which he usually is kind of an adversary of the president, even though he's working for the president. And um and they do like I think I like that they like laid a bunch of seeds for things in the future because I got really excited about everything. Yeah, that's true. I just mostly had like a lot of feels about this episode that made me feel yeah there were good feels good like last episode we had like cool president yeah and this like this one we had like chili president <laughs> chili <laughs> chili dinner president yeah yeah so it should have been called like better angels and chili chili dudes yeah yeah, yeah likes chili or chili and these women <laughs> 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 that's kind of what it ended up being right yeah.